0: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download
1: our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new
0: adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangefield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and our Instagram pages at Real
0: Adventures Show. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, after last week, I got a bit excited. We both got a bit excited talking fishing, but I forgot to talk a little bit about the state of origin last week. Yes, it was good fun. Was yeah. it good fun? It was. A great great couple of days. It was
1: very short, very brief. It yep. would have been good to have a bit more of a training camp, but given the the time of year. But um, it was for a good cause. The main, exactly the, right. The reason behind it. But raised a few
0: few million dollars, I think it was seven or eight million, which is wonderful. I saw some bad habits from yourself. Oh boy. Really bad habits. I didn't like it at all, actually. No not good signs for us cats fans. Go on. Running the other way, tackling <laughs> opponents. What's going on there? <laughs> You're right. I was That's wondering. a first. <laughs> Don't get that bad happening to you. I
1: was wondering where you were going with it. Well, you know, just sort of, you know, leading that defensive charge. Redman, so you didn't like, do nothing. Some...
0: You didn't do nothing else in the first half. You had Someone to do something. Put... Did you see
1: my tap back into play? Well, I watched the whole game. Which one what, was that? Wayne Harm's like.
0: Oh no, I and did the f- punch the one. You actually? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that wasn't too bad. Oh, well, you did two things in the first half. <laughs> <Well> on. <done. laughs> Let's get into fishing. Let's get into fishing. Hey, uh... Kingfish erupted
1: kingfish not only that tuna are still going berserk whiting gummy sharks is this about the best time in victorian waters and obviously we we broadcast right around the, the country obviously we broadcast right around the country um is this just about the best time of the year to fish because we're
0: catching everything at the moment i think this is the prime time it's where that water is settled i guess just before it's about to cool down you've got like you said, well, you named it before, you could name every species in the book. You've got the swordfish starting in the next, what, couple of months uh, down in the bottom end of Victoria, uh, in the southeast corner there. You've also got the marlin, which any day could show up at Mallacoota. I reckon they're probably there. The bushfires obviously affected that, could have affected that run because they went early last year there and this time last year. Or just how many people are actually going out there fishing for them. Yeah, exactly. And then the kingfish right on the coast, I know Gwane was down off Marlow, uh, down that region during the week. Uh, to get away from the crowds here, and magnificent kingfish here caught. Octopus, plenty of octopus he caught. Massive feeds of flathead up there. Octopus? Octopus, yeah, which for me it's... As in like targeting squid Yeah, squid? Or... I actually, I have, no, no, I don't know how he targeted him. He would have probably specifically targeted him. Yeah. knowing the G-man, but yeah, I, he likes, he really enjoys eating it. He's I have the haven't sultan had... of the sea. Well, yeah.
1: I, I really enjoy eating
0: octopus. I, I, I haven't eaten, never I actually personally haven't eaten it before. Yeah, I just never get an opportunity to... Sam, uh, Goodwin, our master friend, my uh, my good mate, he's always on my back about trying to get an octopus because he wants to do some some work with it to cook it. And basically I said, Had, what do you do with it? And he goes, put it out in the road and we'll run over it a few times to tenderise it. So <laughs> it's a, I think a little bit of work goes into it to get it right, yep. but I think it's a beautiful eating species. But right up to Portland, the reports are uh, right off the southwest coast. We'll go and talk we start at the southeast. We'll go right down. We'll skip here, uh, my our home ground area a bit. The tuna down there and the, the kingfish down that way as well, the deep dropping out wide on the continental shelf, uh, the gummy shark snapper fisheries extremely – it's as good as it gets, to be honest with you, yeah. down that end. It's really good. Then you come back to our waterway as such, outside the Port Phillip Bay heads. And we
1: did see during the week just an incredible amount of boats all chasing kingfish. Just about every commercial charter operator was was running out of there. Um You'll know the location better than I would, but there seemed boats everywhere, and the fish were going off.
0: Yeah, it was like it was nearly like the old days when I say the old days. Last year, they, 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 they forgot <laughs> two weeks ago. They, well, they got fought, forgotten the kingfish, and we've spoken about it numerous times on this show. Pat mentioning the kingfish, and you're going, are they still there? And I'm going, hundred percent, they're still there. The tuna just took the mindset. Now the swell was up on the weekend, and people crap themselves basically trying to head out the rip. They didn't want to head out because of the swell, which is. Understandably, huge fair enough. amount yep. of water movement there. There's oh, no doubt. One of the yep. most dangerous waterways in the world, and I respect yep. that people didn't didn't head out. Uh, and the tuna bite wasn't that great on the weekend for those that did. It was okay, but it wasn't. It wasn't even okay. It was there was a few caught, not a massive amount, and yep. huge amounts of fish. Yep. but they just didn't feed, which is what fish do. But the kingfish in the Port Bay heads on Saturday, just after we finished. I think I had phone calls from basically sunrise to sunset of people just constant. Kingfish captures. I know our good friend Chriso from Gone Fishing charters. We have him on quite regularly. He numerous fish on both charters, like twenty plus, like twenty five plus kingfish from seventy to a meter long, so seventy centimeters to a meter yep. long. So they're beautiful fish. And so it- if
1: so if yeah, sorry to cut you off, but if you haven't chased them before and given. Obviously, it's at the entrance to the head, so it's quite accessible for most anglers. What are the key fundamentals for those that haven't chased them before are really keen to do it in terms of your your boatsmanship almost? Like, is it one of those things where you just drift through there? Yep. You know, are you spot-locking if you've got a coda? Obviously, the... the the movement through that water channel is enormous. Like, what are the keys to success when it comes to boat handling and trying to find those fish?
0: Well, firstly, we'll start with locating the fish. The heads, like you said, is or I said before, is the most dangerous waterway. One of the most dangerous waterways in the whole world. And what that, what I mean by that is, it's just over three and a half k's from Point Nepean to Point Lionsdale, which is the entrance, and all that water to Melbourne to Geelong has to go through there. So you could imagine the tidal influence through there. It gets nasty, really, really nasty. Now. Through that whole area, due to tide over the years as well as water conditions, it's it's literally created uh, banks and uh, channels all through Huge there everywhere. Chasms, yep. Yeah, and there's just I don't even know the word to explain it. It'd be unreal to see on a map, and there are maps just out there. Just this giant draw, canyon of yeah, it's yep. just like an insane canyon of just reef and uh, kelp. It's an awesome place to see if you ever get in the water there, but. You're trying to work these banks. You're trying to work the tide off these banks because that's where the kingfish are holding. They're holding on the edges of the edges of these banks and they're feeding as the water rushes over to them. Trying to target the last hours of your tide. Not only is it safer to fish due to the tidal change, you don't want to be there mid-tide drifting out of the rip if your engine breaks down or if you're not confident or familiar with the area. Yep. But also, uh, that, that's when they tend to bite their best. On Saturday, I don't think it mattered. They got fished the whole day. It was one of those one-in... One in, once a year, you have that sort of bite going. And Chris said, "I haven't seen that for eight years." He said to me, and I said, "Right, that's crazy." But as kingfish do, the next day they shut down. They, they didn't go nowhere near as good. People yep. did, still did get a few, but like the charter's got maybe five or ten a boat instead of twenty five plus. Yeah. And I know a few had better days, but I'm talking about there was hundreds and when I say hundreds, hundreds of boats in there. Well, I don't know how to explain it. You've just got to be safe. You've got to be going back to your spot, locking and anchoring. Uh, do, definitely do not anchor. It's illegal. You're in shipping lane. Yep. Uh, and also tidal water. You're, you, you're, you're going to kill yourself. The tide will rip, could rip you under. So or, you've got to have someone on the controls, basically. Basically. Someone yeah, or drifting. Drifting's yep. a very good method, too. But I always like to have the boys... I might have two live baits out the back and doing no one looking at them, just basically sitting there and just keeping it low on them sort of thing and having two, two people jigging. Now, jigging's a really good method. And this is why the charters have a lot of success is... Uh, they obviously are very uh, reactive fish, kingfish. So those jigs can really fire them up. And it's funny you say that Chris O on the weekend had two live squid out for nearly the whole time, landing all those fish, and they didn't touch them.
1: And you often talk about that's you know one of the well that's ups. my go. It's my go to. It's your best option, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the kingfish went really well. The tuna, they just they were just a bit harder during the week. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't get to fish as much. Obviously, I was moving house, Patrick, which is a fun. One of them. Yeah, really I'm still
1: going as of last week. Enjoyable experiences. When I left, just to interrupt you here on <laughs> talking around jigging, because I want to get back to sort of the jigs that you've been using, whether it's soft or, or yep. hard body. When I left Adelaide, um, I was out. I was like, no, nah, that's it. So pack up the house and, and away I go. Actually, I actually left that to Marty, my oh, of course you wife did. at the time. So she had to pack up an entire house. Um, Typical, you And at different stages, uh, removals can be rather rough around the edges. Um, fair to say she wasn't super pleased. But I digress. Um, when it comes to jigging, are you soft-bodied or
0: hard-bodied You want jigs? the hard, you, depending on the tidal flow, you'll get away with plastics and things along the like there, but they're often quite often not heavy enough. So you're, you're 120 gram of jigs right up to your 200. For me, like 120 to 180 People had two that got them on the weekend. I just don't think you need that heavy at times because usually yep. you, you're drifting with your jig. If you're on anchor, which you're not ever going to be in the rip, if you're on anchor or if you're drifting not in tidal area, you, you'll get away with lighter jigs. But in that area, you sort of want that 150, 180, depending on what part of the tide you're on. If it's the start of the, the run out and it's getting stronger, you might go 180. If it's dropping to the end, you might go 150, even down to 120. And I know a mate that did get a couple of fish on live bait on Saturday, and he said straight up that the bigger fish were on the jigs. So, mm. that yeah, it goes, goes either way. But I, I didn't get to fish as hard this week as I normally do. Like I said, moving house. And also, um, I'm up to Eden. As soon as we finish here, I'm heading straight to Eden from here. It's nice and early and hopefully get there and get a couple of marlins straight off the back. Pat, that'll be nice. Look out. Uh, you spoke around tuna numbers and how
1: they continue uh, to grow. Uh, free swimming tuna during the week at the Glenelg River. What's the strangest free swimming fish that you've experienced in your time fishing, because it's one of those incredible things to see a free swimming oh, tuna
0: in the Glenelg River itself. I'm just trying to think, free swimming. I've seen kingfish in the Queensliff Harbour, which is weird. Uh, I've caught a harp her- puka juvenile on a lure, which we have spoken about in the show before. Have you uh, really? Uh, that was in, I think we we're in, thousand meters of water chasing yep. albacore right out past Portland, the shelf, and I've got the photo to prove it. Uh, I don't know, what about you? Have you seen anything good. I'm trying well, to think.
1: It's not unusual, but whenever I've been over to New Zealand and have fished over there, uh trout fishing I just find amazing. It's just a far different <laughs> form of fishing because it's essentially hunting. You sneak up on these fish in these incredible yep. crystal clear rivers, gin clear rivers, you know, casting a fly out, watching it come down, you see the fish stalk it in the water. That Yeah, it's cool. But it's it's not exactly seeing I've I've seen sort of um Grey nurses, free swimming around uh, the Lawn Pier. That was probably the most unusual I've seen.
0: I've seen marlin swimming around me when they won't eat my bait. Kingfish. (laughs) What about, uh, I see, when I'm fishing on the grass beds at Queenscliff quite often, we see... Uh, your cowfish. Now your male's the bright blue colour. Males are always a bit prettier, aren't we, Pat? And the the, the brown the brown ones are the, the female ones. And quite often you'll be fishing, and they'll just drift down past you on the tide on the surface. Just I think they're mating on the surface. And yep. some days you can have ten or fifteen of them go past you, just drifting in the tide, mating on the surface. That's pretty interesting to see. I think that's what they're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, if we head over to the west, Pat, I'm not sure if you've seen this. Cause I know you do love your salmon, so you probably, probably do have. Love. Yep. WA's richest salmon comp has started during the week. Uh, Over thirty thousand dollars in prizes, which uh, you can walk away with a dinghy, packaged and literally a whole dinghy set up ready to go, worth over nine k just for catching a salmon. So I love my our WA
1: listeners, and we do see you see some incredible shots down that Western Australian border, right into South Australia. Clearly, yeah, our SA friends get some incredible salmon through that region, and clearly with the lack of snapper fishing, unfortunately. Um are a good option Not quite as good at eating But I still I love fishing They
0: well. are sort of good at eating Because you put if them If you eat on, them fresh no, no you put them on your hook And it turns into gummy shark And <laughs> it's your fresh flake If you get them fresh
1: <laughs> I actually enjoy eating, eating
0: them Now Vic Fish Always doing their bit And we spoke A few weeks back About the golden tag Patrick Yes we have seen that yep. We had our first one During the week Being caught It was caught I think it was on Monday Last week Uh Monday during the week I should say And uh 10 grand going his way because he landed a 48 centimeter estuary perch in the Bem River. He was fish fishing a competition and he's taken out 10 grand, not in the competition, but because of the yellow tag. <laughs> That's bloody awesome. Uh, Raymond Cooper. And then a couple of days later, uh, believe it or not, there was another one caught. Another 10 grand in the Bem River. Don't go to the Bem River because there's no tag fish there <laughs> left anymore. <laughs> but this was a 33 centimeter uh, brim which was another tagged fish put in the waters by Fisheries Victoria. So there's definitely motive to head down to our southeast Vic to go down there to Gippsland region, all, all through that area, excuse me, all through that area to uh, target anything because I think there's flatter, there's numerous, it's not just, it's numerous species and they're, they're, they're user-friendly, let's call it that. They're Absolutely, easy, Kids yep. can chase them, you, yourself, myself, anyone can go chase them and you're going to potentially catch a 10 Plus, I think it's the first ten goes ten grand. Then after that, a couple of grand for each fish, I'm along the lines of that. But including uh, there's,
1: there's been a huge amount of stock because you don't get that many uh, that tagged many caught so um, frequently. So wonder how
0: many did we did we do the numbers? How many got caught? might try and find that out during the break that we're about to go to there's your research research.
1: huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way this morning make sure you follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Real Adventures plenty more to come after the break you're listening to Real Adventures
0: with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our social media pages, out at Real Adventures show, Instagram and Facebook. Redmond, you did a bit of research I, during the break. I did do a bit of research. And how
0: many, how many fish do you reckon was tagged? Because I know. Did you, uh, did you have a look? 500. No, no I didn't. It was 1,000. 1,000 in the northeast, Vic, and obviously southeast of, or well, Gippsland region, I'll call it. That's a damn a good 1,000 fish and $10,000 for... 10 of them.
1: That's still, I've like, it's a good amount, but it's still a hard amount to catch. So I reckon that's pretty good going. Hey, first question. Hard amount. There's two caught this in the week. <laughs> first question is from Miles. What is the best way to get calamari tender when cooking? Love the
0: show. Guys, keep it up. Miles. Miles, now we've learned, it's taken, it took me a while to get it down pat to where we've got it now. And I'm claiming that I'm better than Sammy Goodwin, our master friend. I'm going to claim it today, Patrick. Because I was going to
1: say you, I love my calamari. You come out saying like you're seeming like you're an expert here when really you have well, just said Sam. Breaking news! I'm on the
0: show master next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I work this one out. He will he'll uh, he'll give me the fame for this one. We uh, calamari freeze it first. That's my go-to. Breaks the enzyme down that I've worked out uh, in the in the actual tube itself. You can eat tentacles. You can eat the flaps of the squid. I don't. It doesn't sit well for me. It's sort of like, yep. would you eat dog poo? No, that's how it sort of grows down. For I, I get grossed out by eating that. I, can you eat it? Well, the tentacles. Yeah, and the... I don't find it.
1: I like the tentacles.
0: No. Oh, see, I can't. I just can't do it. Crispy, I, I like. It, anyway, yeah. uh, back to, and when when also another really good technique when you do catch the uh, calamari and say you're going to eat it that night. Like I said, freezing first is my go-to, and this method will work after you defrost it also. But if you get home from a day's fishing, for example, you're coming over, you and your partner are coming over for dinner, Pat, I'll chuck it into milk uh, if I've got time and leave it in there for a few hours to let the milk settle. Not only uh, milk to, sorry, uh, make it tenderised. Not only that... The milk also works really well so the flour can actually grab onto something rather than just a dry piece of calamari because you don't want water going into the oil because that's when it starts spitting at you. So you don't want to put water on it, like even the salt water. So you want to try and dry it down, but milk doesn't react with it, with the oil as much as water. So that's a really good way. And if you're in a hurry, kiwi fruit. But what I mean by if you're in a hurry, make sure you're in a hurry because if you're going to do it and leave it for a long time, It'll eat it in thirty minutes. So I reckon if you put it in kiwi for it, it'll just eat it. It'll just. It what, what do you mean it'll eat it? Like you'll you'll look at it and it'll just look like toothpaste sort of thing. It'll just turn oh, it into oh, a paste. Really? It'll just eat. I just it just destroys it. Clearly that's one
1: that's something that you've found out. Yeah, along I've the way. done it too
0: long once yeah. or twice, but yeah. uh, you got That's just more. So that's a flavour that you're adding. The kiwi. No, nah, it's not. It's to actually tenderise it. It's to actually. Break it down. It's to oh, wow. uh, sorry to make it softer. So it works. It's going to be trial and error on yourself. I've worked it out. If you can get the kiwi fruit for an hour, say, yep, thirty minutes That's to an plenty. hour, yeah, and you're just going to just go by feel. You'll feel it. The kiwi fruit starting to have a go at it pretty early. Yep. Where the milk's more of a process. You can even leave that for a day at times. But uh, if you get in from fishing, a couple hours in the milk, and then a nice hot pan, plan, uh, a nice hot pan is really, really good as well because the pan being nice and hot, you don't want to have it on, cooked on there for a long time. It's short, it's sharp, it's bang, it's hot. It cooks it and then you take it off. A bit of salt and pepper and away you go, Patrick. Very nice work. All right, Josh,
1: Red, you keep talking about mutton birds on the tuna. Is there a way to work out if the fish are actually feeding under them or do you just have to drive up to them?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question because that's the issue people are having is what you just said, is driving up to them there, Pat, the last bit. and You spook them all of a sudden them. and then they're done or yeah, and <laughs> you have people trawling around and right through them. And- if you can find a patch to yourself, that's the key. I nearly guarantee you every patch of mutton birds that you find will have, most of them will have tuna underneath them. To work out if they're feeding or not, if you look in the sky, for example, and you see the uh, ducks flying, they fly in the V, sort of picture that as the way the mutton birds work too, to determine when they're feeding and that usually means the tuna are feeding at their best yep if the mutton birds are sitting on the water and just sitting there not moving and you, you go you drive through them or you, and you sound them you probably get, sound them try up. and get them up working yeah well or even even just trying to work out with this fish and drop a plastic down to 20 meters and see if one will eat but the tuna uh, sorry, the mutton birds when they're when the tuna are actually feeding hard under them that the mutton birds aren't trying to eat the tuna. They're trying to eat the bait or whatever's underneath it. So what they do is they V, back to what I was saying. So there will always be a bird that's in front and the tuna will often be 10 metres in front of that. Yep. So the tuna, say, are pushing towards the east and they're moving east, moving east. The mutton birds will never quite be in front of the tuna because tuna, they're eating the leftovers. And how the birds work is they work in a motion. So in the front, there'll be, like I guess, the, the V, what I was talking about, like looking at the ducks in the sky. There'll be a V. I've seen the mighty ducks. Great movie. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> good ice hockey players, and they come across, and the birds will constantly just keep folding over on top of each other, but don't think casting to the birds. Get your plastic further ahead in front of it because that's yep. where the tuna are. They're always ahead. The birds aren't going to be in front of the tuna. So be smart with where you put your plastic or your bungee cast or whatever you're casting into these tuna and get it another 10 metres ahead, even further, because the fish is still moving that way. Yep. Have you seen the size, of the eye of a tuna? They're massive, Pat. Yep. So they've got really, really good eyesight. I These fish... At home, and I like to say at home because they're literally walking distance from my house if I could walk on water, but they are very temperamental. They're not fishing like feeding, so I do like to get it on top of them as much as possible. So yep. try and work it out where you think one's going to come up, where you might see two or three in one spot, and put it in front of that patch of fish. Glenn,
1: I fish Clifton Springs for whiting uh, more than St. Leonard's.
0: For travelling reasons? But, but I can't get the consistency in results at Clifton Springs as I do at St. Leonard's? You made more sense for that question than I did. Away you go. Uh, Yeah, because it's it's a a pretty easy answer. I don't want to sound like I I hate the place, but I don't enjoy fishing the place. Clifton Springs is a very hard place to fish. It's not a hard place when things are going your way. It's a very easy place, but it's not tidal dependent as much as Queenscliff and St. Leonard's. So when's the best best time to fish there? I wish I knew. Uh it's about fishing when you're catching fish. Now the problem with Clifton Springs is, yes, there's no netters in there anymore, uh, at all. So you find fish will hold in one spot for longer. So when you do find fish or hear reports of in the area, it's well worth going to that area and fishing in that area. Where Clifton Spring, uh, sorry, St. Landers in Queenscliff, every day I go out. If I fish, if I got fish here doesn't necessarily I'm going to be at that spot here. I could be 200 metres at the other spot because the conditions are in your favour. So you quite often find that when you are fishing St. Leonard's or Queenscliff, where you're catching fish is actually where fish will be. There's a reason for them to be there. There's dirty water, there's stronger tidal influence. Where Clifton Springs, honestly, it's about potluck. It's about dropping your anchor on a patch of fish. In saying that, you still want to manoeuvre your boat in and around the weed beds and fishing on the sand holes so you don't get picked apart by little leatheries and little whatever it is down there. Little pinkies at the moment. Oh, they're, they're shocking. Everywhere. They, are, yep. they are a pest. But getting on the sand as much as possible, and a key to Clifton Springs is covering depth. So say you got them in six metres yesterday, and you go to back to six metres and you don't get them, don't be afraid to push into the seven metres or seven and a half or even back into that three or four metres because it's just they might be in that area, but it, there's no specific reason for a fish to be in that spot. So you can't specifically locate it to the meter like I believe we can in St. Leonard's and Queensliff, which happens on a regular basis. And that's why I'm much, I much enjoy fishing the tidal regions more than I fish the non-tidal areas. The uh, the predictability.
1: Yeah, you can predict exactly where that. the fish are. Yep, that's if it. You, if you've got a question for Aaron or I on our slow, social media channels, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook page. It's now time for our dream boating destinations. Thanks to Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Our dream boating destination this morning is Busselton in WA. One of the most, I'd say, picturesque parts of WA, but everywhere I seem to go, it just gets more beautiful and beautiful. But Busselton, really easy to access, particularly if you're flying in. But when it comes flying to... to Margaret River there? Yeah, when it comes to um, fishing and exploring WA, it's one of our favourite places, Redmond.
0: Yeah, it is, and I'm not sure if you... how When we were in Cairns, how long was... Uh, uh, at Lucinda, how long... Sorry, not Cairns, Lucinda. How long was the jetty? Uh, 576 k. Yeah, so this one's not as big, but it's still big. It's one8 eight kilometres long. So without having a boat... It's you're, still a great place k's to fish. Two k's offshore yep. to fish. So the Bustleton Jetty is a really, really good place to fish. Pat, if you are land based, you've got your herring. Um, they say Samson fish you can catch off there too. Your, your squid, your pink snapper, your crab, your tail, your mulloway. Um There is, there can be a jetty admission, uh, which is in the inter, uh, trying to interpretive. How do you spell? How do you pronounce that? Interpretive. Not that smart. Interpretive. In, is it? Is it really just? <laughs> Seems, yeah, but it is that. I it just it made a fool of myself, haven't I? No, when, when the centre's open... That's okay. It I makes, can't interpret makes. it. <laughs> when the centre's open, there can be a fee to get to the jetty. Um, other top fishing spots in Buston is the beach. The Geograph Bay Yacht Club. The Buston High School Drain is really, really good also in the same species you can get there. You've got the old boat ramp, which is another really good place, which is just around the corner too. Yeah. Yep. But places to stay. You've got the Big Fork Beachlands Caravan Park there, which is... We love our Big Fork's Pat. They always... Accommodate really, really well. You've got the Buston Jetty Tourist Park, the Buston Villas and Caravan Park, also. But like you said before, you fly in, you fly out. It's not a place where you need to travel too much, so as in drive too much to a destination. And the
1: beach fishing and rock fishing, like Canola oh, it's Rocks, insane, an incredible place to fish off the beach. So you're not reliant on just having a boat to fish there, particularly with the we know with the winds that can pick up in the afternoons. Um, fishing off the the shore can be a really good option. Um, and you pick your times throughout the year because obviously there's different different times of year where it's going and to be than others.
0: The salmon fishery there, like I know the biggest WA salmon comp is on at the moment, but basically you're salmon fishing on the beach, as you mentioned, plus a Smith Beach and Yelling Up Beach as well, right around that whole area. Yeah, is, Yelling Up's beautiful. It's, yeah, yep, 10, 10 out of 10. So that's our place this week, Patrick. Bustleton. Our dream boating destination.
1: Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis. And now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19-33208. real adventures it's time to get all aboard for Dometic mobile living made easy welcome back to real adventures it's time for all aboard thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 cooler bag keep food and drinks cool on your adventures our special guest this morning is fishing guide Chris Casser. good morning Chris
0: how are you guys don't forget Chris Kassar, just a special guest. He's now a new salt guide member too, Patrick. Now, I was going to, to add <laughs> that, but before we uh, we
1: get into that, Redman, yep. Chris's go is obviously guiding and yep. fishing guiding, similar to what uh, you did and do. Take us through how you got into becoming a fishing guide out of Port Phillip Bay and Western Port, Chris.
2: Yeah, so my old man here ran fishing charters for 25 years or so out of Port Phillip and Western Port and up the coast of New South Wales. and just growing up fishing with myself and my brother and yeah, we're taking it to a new level, I guess. And on your guides, Chris, so what, before we get into the
0: species, what do you actually do on your guides for those that are listening and if they wanted to book, what are you going to cover on the day for them?
2: Yeah, so what I do, I'll just jump on their boat, um, use all their own tackle, use their boat, uh, everything like their electrics and we'll go through uh, everything regarding, you know, what certain species they want to target on the day and we'll
1: make it happen. Chris, for so many people, uh, and myself included in this, Redmond, and you've experienced this before, but uh, there's nothing like actually taking out your own boat because that's the reason that you bought it, you want to fish out of it, but you also want to catch fish. And when you don't get a huge amount of time to actually go catch fish, um, you you want to be able to nail them for one, but you want it to be out of your boat. You don't always want to go out on fishing charters. Clearly, that's where uh, you've developed Cassar Fishing. So basically, I'd book you... Um, you know, a few weeks in advance and correct, my, correct me if I'm wrong. And if I want to target, say, whiting or, or snapper, that's what I'd, I'd say to you, look, this is what I want to chase, but I just need to be upskilled in the best times to fish for them and then you'll set me up on the day.
2: Yeah, I'll give you the option of, like, sort of what's best to target on that certain day and or where's best to target. And, um, yeah, we'll just sort of go from there. How do we get in contact with you, Chris-o? Um so all my social media stuff, Facebook and Instagram, uh Casa Fishing Guides or on Instagram's Casafishing, Fishing, um yeah, or give me a call. What's your number? Throw it out there. Zero four eight seven seven four seven double zero three.
0: Chris, oh so now you've got a big boat up on the east coast of New South Wales. What is it? What are you doing with it? And the main question I know Danger wants to know is why such a big boat as well and getting rid of your smaller boats in the meantime to get that boat. So we'll start with, what is it? What's the big boat?
2: Yeah, so it's a it's an American import boat. It's a 44 jersey. It's the only one in the country in that size range. Uh, the reason we got rid of our smaller boats was, was a mutual decision with myself and my brother and my dad to get rid of the small boats and dad's always wanted a big boat and we came to the agreement to have to get rid of our trailer boats and, you know, buy the big boat. Did you import that from
1: the States or is that something you found in Australia, Chris? No,
2: nah, it was already imported years ago. I um, mean, we were just lucky enough to stumble across it at the right time and we bought it.
1: So given we've seen a huge change in, in trailer boats, both in length but in their ability to, to reach, you know, you can tow them all over the country and you can basically fish anywhere. Was it a big decision to to sell all the trailer boats to then be based out of one location because clearly you love your fishing and you fish in you know remote different locations but all of a sudden it does uh limit your fishing to an extent because you really are based out of one spot
2: yeah it it does have its ups and ups and downs, but we 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 knew that was going to happen, but we had the agreement that. Um, We all wanted the big boat, and we have mates down in Melbourne that, you know, if we want to go fishing, we can go fishing with them or myself. These days, I hardly have time to fish on my own boat anyway, so doing the guides, you know, I don't really get time on my own personal boat anyways.
0: Now, Chris, so you've fished, you've caught some really good fish, all locally. Have you, your favourite place to fish, or where you want to go to catch something you haven't caught maybe as well?
2: Um. Yeah, I'd probably say Vanuatu is my favourite sort of place outside of Australia to go fishing. I just, well, I've just, been there several times, so was my old man and my brother, and we love it. We'll just, we'll just keep going back there.
0: What, did you, what are you catching in Vanuatu? Uh,
2: everything over there from blue marlin to dog tooth, tuna, massive GTs, uh, every reef fish you can imagine to catch. It's just an amazing place, amazing centering.
1: We spoke off the top of the show, and Aaron was talking around um, the excitement that kingfish and tuna are bringing at the moment. Um, One of almost the forgotten species, uh, Snapper. How are you targeting them at the moment, Chris, when you head out fishing for them around Port Phillip Bay and Western Port?
2: Yeah, well, in Port Phillip and Western Port, you know, I'll go either um, out of Mornington or Carrum or St. Kilda, Black Rock, if I'm fishing Port Phillip, and, you know, head out, use the sounders, and no, I won't stop until I find the fish. I'm not going to just anchor and hope for the best. I'll just keep sounding and sounding until I find them. And same sort of thing in Western Port with a tidal base. You know, you you keep looking. People just seem to just stop and hope for the best, which they might come along. But, you know, if you you find the fish first and you're just that much more confident, you're going to catch them.
1: Are you looking for any particular bottom? Because clearly structure is something that... that you know, invites fish and where structure is, you'll generally find fish. What are the the, the fails I suppose people that have where they just stop and they you know they, they limit themselves to fishing in one spot, they get hammered by small pinkies at the moment, which have been absolutely, you know, prolific, and parrot fish. What's your patience when it comes to finding the fish? Like are you looking for huge schools uh and bite straight away or are you patient you're waiting ten, fifteen minutes to see those fish come up?
2: Uh this like basically this type, time of year, outside of the peak snapper season, I'd generally target sort of, you know, deep Mornington, deep Mount Martha, even places deep off Mud Island in Port Phillip. And you don't, need, you don't need to see 10 fish on the screen this time of year. You just see one or two on the bottom, you know, sit it on it, anchor and burley. And, you know, they'll come. If they don't come sort of in the first 40 minutes, you know, even less than that, you'd, you'd move on as find as fish, fish or school fish that want to eat.
0: Now to finish off Patrick, pretty exciting news during the week. Uh, we announced Chris O was joining the Soul Guy team. Now we were been watching Chris O. I've known Chris for a long time now, but we've also watched him for a period of time with his, the fish he was catching and basically he wants to work in the fishing industry. So we've teamed him up with uh, with Salt Guide now. So he's now a uh, going to be an angler for us on Salt Guide, offering a weekly report, helping people to find some fish, but also more importantly, his videos on how he goes about it, how he goes about it because people... Because it is actually different to you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because yeah. people might like what I do, they might like what Gwen does, but... You chuck Chriso in there too, and they might like something from all of us, and then we could learn. And not only that, I can also learn off Chris and Gwaine as well. So there's so many different reasons to have him on board. But Chriso, so what are you going to be trying to do on Salt The areas you're going to be covering in the next, or hopefully forever. <laughs> but in the next few uh, weeks, next, to be more. Well, specific yeah, we'll go, we'll go the next, next few weeks. Yeah. Got,
2: yeah. Uh, well, apart from all the mail and stuff, but when I get back home, it'll still be hopefully more kingfish, and I'll do a lot, lot more stuff. Um, in Western Port on the wide end uh, and sort of offshore gummies and um, snapper offshore still at the moment. Uh, that's that's what's going to be like when we get back to Melbourne, yeah.
1: Chris, we're looking forward to, to touching base with you on a monthly basis, Redmond, through our Real Adventures but also Salt Guide. If you are interested in booking Chris uh, and his services for guiding, make sure you get in touch with them at Kassar Fishing fishing at hotmail.com or Kassar fishing on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning, Chris.
2: Thanks, guys. We look forward to catching up soon.
1: Chris Cassar from Cassar Fishing. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic, mobile living made easy. It's time for Red's review. This week, Redman, we're talking all things outriggers. You're heading up bill fishing next week. Clearly, it's an important part of around bill fishing and creating that spread. Talk us through what they are and why you find them important for fishing.
0: Yeah, so what an outrigger is firstly is an extension to your boat with, I guess you could say, a pole out yep. the side of your hull. Now, what the whole idea of it to have out is, to have them out is, is to create either a spread of lures off them or, for other reasons, running live baits and skip baits, whatever it is, but it keeps – it can put your baits in clear water – And also run your lures in clear water and allow you to run spread lures out further in a spread into clear water. So what I mean by that is if you're running just Lion Rods or a Tiagra 50 at the back corner of your boat, you're going to have your most vicious lure working hard out of the wash. But you want a nice cut or just a normal cut face lure out in that cleaner water. And you can spread your lures into each wave or your bow wave, which is pushed out the back of your boat, you can then spread your lures and have a nice vision of where your lures are going to be. And clearly when you're bill fishing, uh, the chances of hook-up compared to going snappy
1: fishing are far, far less, so you want to have more lures in the water and the ability with outriggers, it means you can have a spread of four, five, six well, rods at once. just what
0: you just said spot on, and, and the reason for that is, for example, tuna fishing. If you're a tuna fisherman down at Portland like I am, I don't run the outriggers, I just, I don't... I just don't think you need them. I usually only run the four lures or five max, which isn't a pain in the backside Yep. when you're trying to run your spread of lures. But what it does though is it doesn't allow me to run more rods. Where if you're a charter fisherman out of Portland, you've got 10 punters on the boat. Exactly. You want to have 25 of lures of- out. So, and you <laughs> exactly. Can, the good thing with the outriggers, you can run clips off different stages of your riggers. So you can run one halfway up and have another lure off that and you can run run right out to the the furthest uh, part of your outrigger right at the tip there and have another lure off that.
1: Is that the same with the angle that you see people have their outriggers at? Because obviously you don't want them too high yep. because then you're going to skip. Yes, yeah, so you need... Maybe it makes sense for some, but you don't want to have them too low that you know, you're know you hitting the water, water on either yeah. side of the boat.
0: Yeah, you need to find that perfect medium and that's where you're getting your outriggers on a nice angle to your boat. But not only that, you need them to angle back. So they're going to pull back the shape the way that the, you, you design from the base, yep. it creates an angle with your outrigger, and you want to fall back in line with your transom as well. And that's going to give you the best hookup rate and also run your lures at the best position that they need to be. Now, outriggers, what, we'll go to what they're used for first. Now, what they're used for as in methods, like I said, it's running spreads, but I'm going to go to bill fishing because I am bill fishing after this show. So basically what I'm going to do with the outriggers is I'm going to be running live baits out of them. And also skip baits. Are they the... So when you have those rods set up on the outriggers, are they the
1: furthest out? Because clearly the closer you're in with the boat.
0: Yeah, no. well With the live baiting and the skip baiting, I actually won't have anything else really out. What I'll have is a teaser out on the... uh, A teaser off the back corner of my hull, whether it's a squid teaser or even just a 50 wide with a nice lure on it without a hook, trying to get that marlin to whack it to fire it up. But I'll have a live bait ready to go in the slimy tube to drop into the water. But back to the outriggers, what I'm going to have out of them is two fifties, for example, uh, loaded up with uh, your 24-kilo your line, if it's that's what I tend to run on 50s, that's what it, that's what it works out to be. Yep. And what we're going to do is we're going to run our live. is out the riggers on lacquer bands. And we're going to run the lacquer band around the line 12 times and then put two each end of the lacquer band onto the clip. Now, what this does is that clip's nearly on free fall. Now, what I mean by that is at the top of the rigger, it, you can control the weight to where the clip opens. Yep. You want to have it so it opens, I guess you could say, occasionally. So if you hit a wave, it pops it because you want no weight on that skip bait or live bait when a fish grabs it. Now, when you're skip baiting, you're going to have it a little bit firmer because you're trolling around at seven knots. Yep. When we're ticking live baits around, we're only running at one knot, two knots, just in and out of gear, basically, marking up fish, putting liveys down to them. So it's the matter of getting your balance out, using your outriggers to your efficiency, and the reason that we're going to run them off the lack of bound is because when a, when a marlin grabs your bait with your circle hook, you want them to swallow the hook. You want them to run with it for a period of time. Set the hook and let the set. With the tuna, the reason I don't like running the outriggers for the tuna is I like a direct contact with the fish itself, rather than having that fall back off that off the outrigger fall back. You got a What have you got, Pat? Probably five meters in the end of just drop back yeah. of line. Where in the marlin, you actually want as much drop back. Off the as line can, as yeah. much as you possibly have. I actually have it looped down. Some people have drop back reels where they have ten meters of line that's wrapped on a spool. So when it so goes, it's just totally free, free spool. Yeah, yep. Yep. as much as possible. Now also with your outriggers too, uh, depending on your base and your style. Now we've always run. You and myself have always run the Hookem outriggers. We've had yep. no dramas with them. They work really, really well. Uh, so Hookem's the go-to for us at the minute. And I think uh, from we really enjoy it was them.
1: About nine hundred. Yeah, bucks, the, I reckon.
0: yeah, they're about nine hundred bucks. But the problem that you can have with outriggers. Now, I'm just going to mention a couple of others. you got Relax, you got Ocean Blue Game, you got Top Shot. Take out. You, there's so many brands out there, yep. but I think the brand comes down to uh, what suits your boat yep. a lot of the time. Now, I've got mine in the gunwale of my boat, in the side, and the rod holders come out the, the, out the side of my hull. People will say, oh, it's annoying because they're in your way. They're not really in your way, I don't think. Uh, it's just that you're not going to use it for whiting fishing. No, like. that's right, exactly. <laughs> no. And then you've got your Relax ones that can mount on the side of the Staby hardtop, which get you clearer out of the way. So they work. they're all very good. The pricing, you're about 900 bucks, like you said, right up to two grand at times, depending on what you're using, the size of your poles. But just remember, when you buy your outrigger poles and your bases, don't just buy them. You need a rigging kit. So you need the weights, you need the clips, and you need the line which runs up and down. So don't just think you've bought that without getting the rigging kit. I know so many people have forgotten their rigging kit and haven't rigged them up properly, and it will cause you mayhem when you get there and you haven't got what you need. So you need the weights that come with it, the line, and the clips. I'll repeat myself so you don't forget it next time. So get all the gear, head up the coast. They're going to catch you plenty more marlin, and uh, tune up. I stick away from a bit.
1: That is Red's Review
0: reviewing outriggers. If you want more information
1: on outriggers, we searched and have used Hook'em as our fishing brand for outriggers.
0: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: It's time for Red's tip for new age caravans designed for the road ahead. Redman, your tip for the weekend.
0: The tip this week is going to, it's pretty funny because I've got a photo here that says the danger zone on it. I don't know if you noticed that when I showed you before, but it is. But well, it is talking about staying away from the danger zone because yes, when you hear rods, high
1: sticking, this is what we're talking about. When you
0: got Harry High Stick on your rod, on the rod that's going to snap your eight hundred dollar brand new Samurai, it, you're not that happy <laughs> because Ray Stanley did this to me. He did uh, on a salmon, we, exactly on a salmon. <laughs> but what I'm trying to explain to you is you've got your power zone and the danger zone, and what that mm-hmm. is is. The angles of where you should have your rod. So you've rod, got, So you've either got um, This is fight
1: while fighting a fish. Yep, so we're fighting the fish and how high we are lifting the rod. Yep. In as order as, to best put pressure on the fish but not put too much pressure on our gear.
0: As soon as you go further than forty five degrees, uh, from from the water, yep. from the water's level, I guess you could say. Yep. Uh, You're basically doing yourself no no good. Now the reason I can fight fish for such a period of time, longer than even people that are even people like yourself that are athletes, you're stronger than me. You got. I use the rod to my advantage. Now what I do is I don't go to that what you call the danger zone where you've got potential of snapping the rod. I have my lift to my 45 degree and I'm down. If the fish is pulling. I'm standing there. I'm not holding the rod up above that 60-degree mark trying to drag the fish back to me. It just doesn't work. You're going to snap rods. When you're fighting a fish, keep it up to no more than 45 degrees angle. Short winds. I always say to you when you're fighting a big fish, get your rod tip down. Get your rod tip down because... You, you want to use the rod to your advantage. The strength of the rod where it loads up isn't designed to have power in the tip of the rod. So as soon as you lift it up past 45 degrees to 60 degrees plus, the tip is actually only going to snap. It doesn't hold load where the load is actually carried through the whole blank of the rod. Yep. So it actually comes from the reel, the top of the reel where that, We'll call it the foamy bit, where it starts right down (laughs) to the handle, the first handle. (laughs) No, that makes sense. From there all the way down is where the rod actually has its strength from, not the tip of the rod. The tip of the rod doesn't work. So just remember that. When you're fighting your next tuna outside the Port Bay heads, short lifts and you'll knock the fish over in a quarter of the amount of time than you will lifting it above your head. That was Red's tip
1: for new age caravans. Take your caravan experience to the next level New Age caravans designed for the road ahead. The flying gaff this week is very, very simple. Uh, during the week, Redmond, I'm not sure if you saw, but there was a 70 year old man that was caught red-handed uh, at Hookham fishing. Just decided to sneak into the back room and nick someone's an employee's wallet. Wallet. Um, I'm not sure if most people realise, but in just about every store you go into now, there is CT footage wherever you go and if you're going to steal from someone don't don't steal from one of our fishing friends not it was not, not someone inside someone, the family i think
0: if you put your wallet inside the store you think you'd be safe if you don't, work
1: there don't steal from the fishing family or the fishing fraternity so that old bloke <laughs> he's got the gaff this week this wraps up our show been a huge episode of real adventures thanks for joining us we're going fishing